0: You're listening to Mastering Law, the podcast. I'm attorney Tom Goolsby, and it's good to have you with us. I love my law practice, and I hope you can say the same. I know so many lawyers that hate their law practice, that despise their clients, that don't like their lives at all. This podcast is dedicated to changing your paradigm from one of lack of abundance, maybe, maybe struggling Maybe your practice is doing okay, but it's just sort of plateaued and stalled. Maybe your life is sort of boring. What we're talking about here is turning your practice, because it is your practice, whether you work for a firm or your own your own, turning your practice, your livelihood into something that you really enjoy, that you wake up every day glad to get involved in what you do for people. Because I truly believe being an attorney, is potentially one of the most rewarding and special things you can do in the world. In my practice I feel like I get to help people at really struggling times in their lives with critical decisions which we attorneys do on a daily basis whether it's the creation of a new company, what kind of decisions to make on setting up a will, an estate, dealing with family law, dealing with corporate governance, whatever it might be. We get to help people make difficult decisions and We get paid really well for it, or we should, and that's what we're continually talking about is how to make sure that your income is commensurate with your skill set and with how much you care about your clients and how much value you truly add. So today's lesson is how not to lose clients and how to build a constant stream of new business. Now, the transformation that we're looking for here, and I always like to have a transformation for each of the podcasts. And then to sort of wrap it up with what we've covered, one thing I learned in the Marine Corps, and I'm not going to be this boring, was uh, what we always taught the troops was, here's what I'm going to tell you, then you tell them, then you tell them what you told them. Well, what we're doing today is we're looking for really making sure our mindset is one of winning clients for life, approaching our practice as an area of abundance, not one of scarcity, because there is always room at the top. Uh, and the cream does always rise, and we want to be the cream. We don't want to be the skim milk, if it were. So our business is really about one thing, and a lot of times we focus on the wrong stuff. We focus on the money. We focus on the staff. We focus on the problem. We focus on ourselves. We focus on our desires. It's not about any of that. It's about one thing more than anything else. It's about your clients, And if you care about your clients, if you truly care and you can tell when attorneys care about their clients because they love them and they never lack for clients and you can tell when attorneys don't because the client knows it no matter how good you are. If your client knows you really don't care about them, they're just a resource, they're just money to fund your way of life, they're not going to like you. They're not going to come back unless they absolutely have to. If there's anybody else in town, they'll go to them. And I see it happen all the time in my practice. I get clients all the time who've been in trouble before, have come to see me, and I ask them who their attorney was and what did they do for you. Oh, I was charged with this, and they got me off, blah, blah, blah. Why aren't you going back to that person? They have a good track record with you. Invariably, the bottom line, and I don't get them to admit this often, but the bottom line is that attorney just didn't really care for them, and they didn't really care for that attorney. But when they love you, when they really think you care about them, and they know you do in their heart of hearts, they're going to come back to you again and again and again. Now, the importance of really making clients for life, and they're not just clients for life, okay? They're referral sources for life because they won't always need you. But let me tell you, when they start referring clients to you, Those are the people you stop everything you're doing when you sit down at a meeting and you find out, hey, you know, Bobby, who you did the court, he's the one who referred me to you. Really? The minute you finish that meeting, the first person you call and thank and you figure out how to do something nice for is Bobby who referred that client to you. Because, again, the more you thank people, the more you ingratiate yourself to them, those that are referring cases to you. You know, it's the cheapest, literally the cheapest form of advertising and the best you have. There is nothing like having a former client refer somebody to you and be a referral source. Those people are literally the golden geese in, in our world, in everybody's world. Now, this is what's interesting, too, and something I encourage you to explore with your accountant, looking at your books and figuring it out. You will find over and over, and it's the Pareto Principle, 20% of the people that you have as clients make up 80% of your revenue. It's virtually that way everywhere. 20% make up 80% of your revenue. Now, you've already earned those people's business, and your trick is you don't ever want to lose it. They're your friends, they're your cheerleaders, and they're literally your law practice's best friends. So treat those people like the gold they are, identify who they are, identify the people who have the potential to be that 20% that make up the majority of your business and or the majority of your referrals. The Pareto Principle, I've taught on that a lot over the years. What is it? Well, there was an Italian economist named Pareto. I can't remember his first name, Antonio or something. He, he was both an, an amateur horticulturist. He, he, grew, he had a garden. And he also was an economist. And one thing he saw was that in the Italian economy, about 80% of everything was owned by about 20% of the people. He noticed the same thing in his garden, that 20% of his pea plants produced 80% of his peas. And he started studying that and realizing over and over and over and over in life, he discovered that 20-80 principle. Sometimes it's 99-1, but it's rarely less than, than 80% of your results come on 20% of your efforts, come from uh, from 20% of your clients, come from 20% of your expenses, I mean on and on and on and identifying those people and understanding the Pareto Principle and its value to you is very very important. Now let's talk about clients themselves. When you first get a chance to sit down with a client this is one thing I noticed that attorneys over the years very rarely do. They very rarely ask the the, the real poignant questions. And this is something as you're interviewing whoever it is, you're forming a corporation for somebody, you're helping them with a lawsuit, small claims court, a division of property, will, whatever it is, you wanna find out from every client. And this is something worth writing down, it's in the show notes. What are their fears? What are they worried about? What is it? Are they are their fears realistic? Are they completely unrealistic? I have people all the time that come into my practice who have been charged with a crime, and they are worried about one thing, and that is going to jail. Am I going to jail? Now, they might not, may not ask you, but that is the number one thing on their mind. And of course, in the large majority of cases, no, there's no way the state can even put you in jail. In a worst-case scenario, yeah, if you slugged a bailiff, you took a lunge at the judge. Yeah, they could probably put you in jail for that. But short of that, you're not going to jail. And I, I like to make sure that I reassure people. You know, I'm your lawyer. I'm going to be representing you. I can guarantee you, unless you do something crazy, I'm not going to let you go to jail. Next is, what do they expect from you? What do they want? And, and I'm telling you right now, if they expect unrealistic stuff coming into your office and you don't fix it, The first time you sit down with them, you don't explain, look, I'm going to do your corporate document, but I'm not going to call you every week and see how your business is going. You know, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do, do not expect, you know, and again, you don't box it like that. You box it like, here's all I'm going to do for you. What else are you concerned about? What else do you need? And if they start saying, look, I'm going to need you to call me every week and update me on my case. First thing I tell them is no, that's not going to happen. What do you mean that's not going to, I, I'm going to expect, I don't know. I am, I've got a lot of clients. You're not my only client. Here's how it's going to work. And I have found over and over when you establish from the very beginning, you're in charge and if they're a real jerk and they want to go, and, and I've never had anybody walk out of my office because I laid down the law and told them how things were going to work. I haven't. And you, you should not have that happen. You should have people that are realistic, but if they're crazy, you know, you need to get them out of your office anyway. You don't want them. And if they won't be realistic, if they expect you to call them every single week instead of sending them a memo or whatever else, then, you know, that isn't going to happen unless they're going to pay. They're going to pay very heavily for that. Then, of course, you'd probably be willing to do it. But make sure you establish that from the beginning. Uh, and, and another one, how often do they expect to hear from you? You know, the one thing that you find over and over and over and over and over again in surveys about lawyers is yes the lawyer didn't care that was a big concern but the number one never heard from them never knew what they were doing and i tell you i remember as a young lawyer i was working so hard on a case one time as a personal injury case my client calls me up and says yeah i need to come by and get my file and i'm like what i mean i'd literally just been working on the guy's case for like three or four hours." He says, yeah I, I just don't feel like you know you really care about my case I was like care about your case man I've been I've been on your case I, I can come up with ten questions that I need answers to right now I've been working on your case all day and in fact it's been on my desk for the last three weeks I've spent untold hours on it really well I, I didn't even think you you were in pain and you know why because he wasn't a mind reader he didn't know I was thinking about his case was worrying about his case was working on his case it is extremely important that you establish with your clients early on how much you expect them well how, how much they expect to hear from you and make sure it's realistic or tone it down if it's not and then make sure that you keep up with them whether it's a note it's a text it's an email whatever it is you will not bug your clients I assure you I've never heard anybody say my damn lawyer all he does is bug me you don't hear that What you hear is, I never hear from my lawyer. I don't think he cares about my case. I don't know what he's doing. So again, make sure, make sure from the very beginning that you establish those three things. What are their fears? What do they expect from you? How often do they need to hear from you? Now, in setting expectations, remember, it is better always to not have a client than to have a dissatisfied client. If you sit down with somebody and you realize they're a complete jackass and there is no way to make them happy, you need to not take their case. Price yourself out of the equation. Refer them to another attorney. Tell them you're too tied up. You didn't realize how complicated their case was. You're not going to be able to help them or you just don't have the skill set for it or whatever. Come up with something to get them out of your office. Do not let them hire you. Now, you might say, wait a minute, I really need the money on it. You know what it's going to cost you? There's a guy named Joe Girard, I think is his name, one of the first books I read in high school. He's the ultimate salesman, something like that. He's a car salesman, and he called it his rule of 250, and he's right. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. His rule of 250 was everybody knows 250 people, and if you treat them right or wrong, they're going to tell those people. If you treat them really well, they got 250 potential people they can tell about what a great guy you are. If you treat them wrong, they got 250 people they can tell about how bad a a woman or a man you are. So don't ever take a client you know from the beginning in your heart of hearts is going to be a dissatisfied client. Also, lower unreasonable expectations. I touched on that before from the start. Don't let anybody walk into your office and leave thinking, Things are going to happen that aren't going to happen. You have to lower that bar from the very beginning. And also, explain the best case scenario and the worst. And I tell my clients, when they're facing jail time, what's the worst? You go to jail for five years. What's the best? You walk out of court uh, and you're not guilty. Then you need to explain to them, sort of, and again, if you can, and a lot of times I have people say, you know, well, what's going to happen? What's, uh, look, I, I, all I've heard is your side of the case, my friend. I've not talked to an officer. I've not talked to the DA. I've not seen any discovery. I've only seen the citation. I can't tell you anything more than you've told me, but you know what? In the near future, I'll be able to tell you that, and I will. And again, th- that, you know, the, wor- the best and the worst case scenarios. Now, what do clients want from you? And this is all, you know, put yourself in their shoes. And sometimes it's hard to do, but it's all about them. They don't want to hear how busy you are. They don't want to hear how much you need their money. They don't want to hear the problems you're having with your staff. They don't want to hear how you don't know how to upload whatever it is on your new piece of software. They want you to be totally concerned about them. They also want to trust you. They want to believe in you. Don't let them down. And the way you don't let them down is you minimize those unreasonable expectations. They will trust you if you tell them what you're going to do and you do it. But if you promise the moon and don't deliver, they're not going to trust you. And they've got to trust you. Because again, you're not hiring these clients just for now. And I say hiring the client. That's the way so many of us look at it. And it's not necessarily a bad way. Because I do. I fire clients. If a client... Is not the client that I thought they were. I'm not going to be able to help them. I don't want to help them. They are too much trouble. I fire them. Now, I figure out how to do it in a in a, a decent way, but at the same time, I realize that it's a situation where I've got to make sure I'm the best lawyer for them, and I want them to trust me, and I want them to be a great referral source, uh, a great referral source in the future, if they can be, and almost all of them can be, if I make sure the right clients hire me. And then lastly, they want you to care about them. They really want you to care about them. If you care about them, if you pay attention to them, if you deal with their issues, they will trust you. And when their case is over, they have the ability to be incredible referral sources to you, the cheapest and best source of referrals on the planet are satisfied clients. Now, how do you get referrals from clients? Well, first off, you ask for them. When you get their case successfully concluded, the last thing you say to them is, John, it's been my pleasure to handle this whatever, corporate matter, estate, what you know, please in the future let me hear from you when you have any legal situation in such and such an area, you know, whatever it might be, and please John, so much of my business comes in from referrals Please refer me to friends and family, folks that you know could use my services. And you know what I do, right? And you make sure they know what you do. Then what do you do? Well, there's a a myriad of other ways that you can keep up with people and keep yourself in their heads ever so often so that when they do run across a friend, a family member that needs your help, they'll refer them to you. Here's just four. Email. Put them on your email list. We've got other teachings and all that you'll hear uh, as you as you follow up on the podcast, about how to do a weekly email. Real simple to do. Take you 10 minutes. You can write four of them up at a time. You can uh, task, batch that work, and then set it up to be sent off automatically. But a, a simple little email to your clients. And you just gather up their email addresses. You put them into, and we'll, we'll, we'll give you a whole teaching on that. And emails are a great way. Just a, a weekly or even, if nothing but a monthly, okay, something where you reach out and touch them. Email's free, okay? It just takes a little bit of your time putting it together. Don't recommend a staffer do it. You got to do it as far as writing it, putting it together, and putting your own spin on it. But you can have a staffer send it out. Next is a uh, a newsletter monthly. Now, emails, I think of more of like a weekly thing. You can do a newsletter monthly. I really don't do newsletters. I do emails once a week. I do them right from my website where people sign up or I put their names into MailChimp. We'll talk more about that later. Birthday, you need to find every single client. If you haven't done it to this point, do it now. Put every single client's birthday into your database. If you put it on your own Google Calendar, okay, for good clients, and what do you do? You have your staff, you put their name in there, you put their address in there, and you have your staff go through and handwrite an envelope. To them, you sign a little birthday card. You get different ones every year, and you send it off to them. So few people get a birthday card. And when they get a birthday card from their lawyer, it might not mean a lot to you, but the average person to be remembered with a nice little note, hope that new business is going well, You know, let me know if you need a new update, You know, don't forget about your will, whatever. Or just happy birthday. Sign it. I mean, that goes an incredibly long, long way. Also, not just their birthdays. If you really want to get into this, hell, you can come up with multiple occasions to send clients greetings for every friggin' thing on the planet. Every Jewish holiday, every Christian holiday, I mean, you every secular holiday. You can send out cards all the time. And you know what? They will pay for themselves time and time and time again. You will not go broke sending out cards to happy clients, because they'll remember you. They'll call you up. They'll send their friends to you. And checkups. Again, when you help somebody put a corporation together, you are a fool. I mean, you truly a fool if you don't mark your calendar to call them once a year and to check up and say, hey, need to get you and the board in to do your yearly meeting? Uh, you know, Do you need to update your articles in corporate? I mean, whatever it is, come up with a reason. You know, do we need to review uh, what your estate, how your estate's changed? Do do we need to relook at your child support order? Whatever it is, I mean, you can create so much good work for yourself by just calendaring this stuff. But you know what most attorneys do? They do an incorporation and they forget about it. Forget about them. Maybe they'll come back years from now. Probably won't. But again, calendar this stuff. Put it in your calendar the day you do the work and follow up on it. Make it easy on yourself. Now, let's just have a quick call to action here as we wrap things up. You need to make sure, starting from today, your business, your law firm, your practice is client-focused. From your first telephone conversation to your first and last meetings, your clients will trust you if they know what to expect from you and if you deliver on your promises you got to manage their expectations from the start so that you can deliver for them and so that you do deliver for them. And remember, it's better to not have a client than to have a dissatisfied one. Now, go to the show notes if you have any uh, more issues, you weren't able to take any of this stuff down, maybe you were listening in your car. Go to your show notes. You can upload all that stuff. I just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you think it was worthwhile, I do ask you to do one thing because I don't charge for any of this. I ask only that you go to iTunes, you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get it on a weekly basis, and you give us a five-star rating. That'll help me out a lot to really spread the word of what we do here. Additionally, talk to your fellow attorneys when you say, Hey, man, I was listening to that Mastering Law podcast. you get to have a lot of that, Bill. You need to go listen to that. Please, make sure to recommend us. You can go on Facebook and like us. You can follow us on Twitter. And more than anything else, email me. Email me your suggestions, your questions, your ideas for future podcasts. Check us out at MasteringLaw.com. And you can always email email me, Tom, that's T-H-O-M, at MasteringLaw.com. Well, I'm attorney Tom Goolsby, just like you, an attorney. May God bless you, your family, your clients, your employees, and your practice. Take care until next time. MasteringLaw.com.